Good morning, Shepherd's Gate. Happy Independence Day. Thank you so much for choosing to be here and spend part of your weekend with us. And for those watching online, same thing. Thank you for tuning in. In fact, uh, those of us on campus, let's say good morning to our friends online. Three, two, one. Good morning. All right, that's awesome. We're one church, even though, you know, we've got two groups going there. I just don't want us to ever forget that. Well, uh, because it's Independence Day, we thought we would focus a little bit on freedom in our uh, message time this morning, but we're going to break it up into three different sections. So we'll do three Bible passages, we'll do three songs, and um, ask the worship team to come back up and do some songs, because one thing that Shepherd's Gate does really well is sing. And so we'll do some more songs uh, on this Independence Day weekend. I thought that would be fun. And we'll look and see what God's Word has to say about freedom. Sound good? All right, we're going to get right into it then. We're going to do the first devotional here. I'm calling it um, Freedom and Identity. Freedom and Identity. I feel like when people say, uh, I'm free, oftentimes they're saying, I'm free to be who I am. I'm free to choose to be who I am. The idea of freedom and the idea of self-identity uh, are intertwined in our culture, uh, and even more so today than, uh, than in the past. But where did this come from? I'm sorry about the history lesson, but just to know where this all came from, it really stems from the American Revolution and the Industrial Revolution, which happened roughly at the same time. Uh, you can see this in the literature of the day, in like the Romantic poets, and for example, we'll just do a couple of quotes here. Um, you know, Oscar Wilde said, Most people are other people. Their thoughts are someone else's opinions. Their lives mimicry, their passions a quotation. The contempt that he has for people that don't chart their own course, that don't have their own self-identity, it's evident. Here's another one from um, Emerson. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. The greatest accomplishment. Obviously, self-identity was very important to the Romantic poets. And so as, uh, as our country has developed this connection between freedom and identity, we have to ask ourselves, well, how do we form our identity? How do we, how do we develop the concept of self-identity? Well, fortunately, there's a lot of research on that, so I thought we'd have some fun here. What do you think, this is not a rhetorical question, what do you think helps us form our identity? How do we say who we are as people? What, what informs that? Anyone guess as to what the survey might say? Family's a good one. God, fu future? Nurturing, okay. Friends, life experiences. These are all good answers. Okay, culture, school. All right, good. Let's find out what these, this is from a, a Barna survey that was done just about five years ago. Um, so we're looking for the teal color. Uh, people said, how much are each of the following a part of your personal identity? A lot, some, not too much and not at all. So let's, let's look at the first one here. Family was number one. People get their self-identity from family. That's not very surprising. Uh, and then even 24% uh, said, you know, some. 62% said a lot, so that's, that's good. And then being an American, number two. Interesting, isn't that? Yeah, almost as high. 82% think a lot or some. Let's look at the next one here. My religious faith comes in third. Not surprising. A little more distant than I would like it to be, but it's there. Uh, my ethnic group comes in fourth. Uh, and then someone said work. My career, that was on the list. And my state. I was, w I was thinking that if, um, I know state seems weird, 
But, you know, in Michigan, we really love our, we love being Michiganders. I wonder if this survey was just done in Michigan, if that would have been even higher. <laughs> Thinking maybe. Well, uh, you know, this is all very inter interesting, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. You know, true freedom can actually not be found in self-identity. True freedom cannot be found in self-identity. All of these things that make up who we are, they can let us down. Do you know that? Family can let us down. We can let ourselves down. Nobody's perfect. And no offense to the romantic poets, but nature will let us down too. They were all about going to nature, and nature is this wonderful force. We know after the last year, nature will let you down too. <laughs> so of all the things that can truly give us freedom, there's only one that will never let you down. And since we're in church, you probably know what I'm going to say, but it's worth saying anyway, right? So if you, have a, uh, if you want to have a Bible there in the chair Bibles, if you're here on campus, we're going to go to page 894 in that Bible. Um, and then it'll be on the screen, of course, and those online, all these passages are in the notes section if you're in the chat. So if you're in the chat, you can go to the notes section and see this passage. This is from John 8, uh, and we're starting in verse 34. So John 8, 34 to 36. This is Jesus talking. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Here's what we need to remember. There's many wonderful things and people and noble goals in this world, and it's not that they're wrong. They're here for us to enjoy. But we cannot put our identity or our hope or our faith in those things. They weren't designed to carry that kind of weight. Only one person can truly set us free, and that's Jesus. Jesus declares us free from the power of sin. And as God himself, he's the only person worthy of our trust. He's infinitely good. He's infinitely loving. He's infinitely forgiving. He never fails. He never lets us down. So be careful not to put too much weight on constructing your own self-identity. I feel like no one is saying that in our culture. But it's just, it's important to say, self-identity is important. But God, our creator, is the only one that can show us who we really are. And that's the truth. And that leads to true freedom. To know who we are, to know who we're called to be, to understand who we are in relation to our creator, that's true freedom. No family member, no country, no self-motivating speaker can do that for us. So the song that we're going to sing here as we end this first devotional moment, uh, hopefully will drive this truth home. And uh, the band's going to come and prepare. In June, we asked uh, those of you that are on social media to vote for your favorite worship songs, and we narrowed them down to four. We're going to do one every week in July. This happens to be uh, one of the songs that got the most votes, so I'm excited about that. Here's some lyrics from it. Free at last, he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. You want to stand up? Let's sing that truth together. They, isn't the worship team great? I asked them to come back and forth, back and forth this whole time. They're doing it. They're doing a great job, too. Well, uh, for our second devotional, I think we need to talk about freedom and fear. Because nothing kills freedom more quickly than fear. Fear of life not working out or fear of disaster or, you know, there are lots of fears. I, I was trying to think about the last time that I was truly afraid, and I think it was about three years ago. And uh, I was experiencing a pain in my side, 
And like a normal dude, I ignored it. And then like another month went by and it kind of was still there. I'm like, well, I don't know what this is. And then there was a week where it got worse and worse. And then there was a day when it was becoming unbearable. And so uh, I, I said to my wife, you know, I think I need to go to the hospital. By the time I got to the hospital, I, was, I don't know how to describe it, except that I was like, I couldn't stay still. Like I was writhing, I guess, in pain. It was very painful. So they admitted me, uh, you know, I went to the emergency room and they admitted me to the hospital and they took a scan and they said, you know what, you have a kidney stone. I was like, what? Uh, that was not good news. And they said it's um, 11 millimeters, which is about the size of, you know, a finger. It's, that's a large stone and they can't, you know, that can't pass in the normal way. So they, uh, they got me into pre-op and I, they did an operation and they actually pushed it back into my kidney because then they did lithotripsy on it. Once it was back in the kidney, uh, lithotripsy is sound waves, so they zapped it with sound waves and they exploded it, which was great because um, that's better than more invasive surgery. I have to admit, though, in the midst of that pain, I was scared. I didn't know what was going on. It's, uh, pain has a way of doing that to you, uh, so does fear. I remember also after that, um, because having one leads, you know, leads you to think that you might have more, so they did more scans, and I've been back to the doctor and stuff like that. I haven't had a kidney stone in a year and a half, which is great, but as they were doing these tests, uh, we, I did an ultrasound, and one of the doctors said, hey, we saw a cyst on your kidney, and uh, he's like, I think we need to get a CAT scan for that, and I'm like, oh, why? Because I just didn't think it through. He's like, oh, we got to check for cancer. I'm like, you, cancer? <laughs> like, you just, you just said it. I was like, cancer? So I got to tell you, that week I was really afraid. To be honest with you, that was worse. I just didn't know. Like, we had the scan, and I didn't know what the answer was to the scan. And the whole week I'm thinking, what, what if I have cancer? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my family? I just, I mean, it was hard not to be afraid. You probably have your own story, right? I mean, we, there, there are times in life when we're afraid because this, in this world, uh, we, don't have a, we don't have a lot of control, Things happen to us, things happen to our, our families or our world, and we can't control it, and we don't know what's going on. We can be afraid. We weren't designed to live in fear, though. We were designed to, to be free of fear and to have true freedom from fear. So what do we do? Well, I want to take a, a look at a story in Scripture that illustrates a point about fear that deals with fear. It's on page 312 in your uh, seat Bible. Uh, this is from the prophet Elisha and his servant. And we're going to pick it up here in 2 Kings 6. They um, woke up and they found their city surrounded by an enemy army. And so we'll uh, just read it here. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. In this devotional moment, we don't have time to uh, cover a full solution to fear, but there's a principle in this story that's part of the answer, and I hope it can encourage anyone that's dealing with fear today. The principle is that of perspective. These two men had two different perspectives. The servant didn't have the same perspective as Elisha. He didn't see reality clearly. He saw one part of reality. He saw the enemy army. And isn't that what fear does to us? 
It just narrows our focus, and then, and, then, and then you get caught. And all of a sudden, all you can see is the problem. All you can see is the thing that's causing the fear. But if you're a follower of Jesus, or you're considering being a follower of Jesus, there's an important reality you don't want to miss, that you want to forget. The reality is this, God is always with us. He's always with us. He never leaves us. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says this, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So not only is he with us, but he's greater than anything that we could face, ever. And I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. We don't have a prophet here, unless I'm mistaken, and if I am mistaken, please let me know, because it'd be awesome. We don't have a prophet here that can open our eyes to see the physical world, or the spiritual world, like we see the physical world. Maybe, maybe we will someday. Right now, I don't think we have that. So we don't have that advantage, because I can see, you know, sometimes we, we look at these stories and we're like, well, you know, it was easy for them. They could see the angels all around and be comforted by that fact. But we do have, we do have advantages. For example, we have the Bible filled with stories of God's faithfulness. We can read them and we can see that God has been faithful to everyone in that book. We have each other. We can care for each other when we're fearful. We can come together as a church community and support each other. We have that, and we have our faith. We have our faith in Jesus that he really will do what he says he's going to do. We can be free of fear and its hold on us. So uh, the song that I'd uh, like us to sing here and take in isn't on our regular worship uh, list, but it's a song from about six years ago uh, by Chris Tomlin, and it deals with the the fear, and it also ties in with this passage. I think it's a great song. And so as we sing it, maybe you just want to take it in. And we'll stay seated for this song, but maybe you want to sing it, and that's fine too, uh, whatever you need to do in this moment. Here are part of the lyrics. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to let fear define us and ruin our freedom. Let's just uh, in this moment together. You know, um, just before we move on, can we pray? God, I don't know, in, uh, but maybe there's someone in this room that's struggling with fear, and you can't see that because we can hide that really well. Or maybe there's someone watching online that's just, they're very afraid right now. God, I pray that you would open their spiritual eyes to see that you are with them and that you are greater, and that perspective change, I pray, would free them from their fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I thought we'd uh, trend positive for the third devotional, and we'll talk about enjoying our freedom, enjoying our freedom. Uh, in the U.S., we celebrate freedom as a value, and I'm truly grateful for those that have secured and protect our freedom, and I know you are too. But what do we do with our freedom? I kind of get the sense that as a culture, we're struggling with that right now. What do we do with it? I mean, we have it, but what do we do? I think it's a good question to ask. Uh, for example, you know, we could use our freedom to uh, make our dreams come true, to work hard, uh, you know, to pursue the dreams we have for our future. There's nothing wrong with that. There are many in this world uh, who live in places where they can't do that, where they're just prevented from it. They don't have that freedom. So it's important to celebrate Independence Day. You know, to be a follower of Jesus uh, means that uh, we're free of the power of death and sin in our lives. But we don't just sit there basking in that freedom. We use our freedom. And I think our vision as a church 
sums it up pretty well. I'm going to put it on the screen here. This is our vision for Shepherd's Gate. We will value everyone we meet. We will influence everywhere we go. And we will live generously with everything we have. Why don't we say that all together out loud? Ready? We will value everyone we meet. We will influence everywhere we go. We will live generously with everything we have. You know, that's, that's a great statement. I love it. It talks about the things that we hold dear as a community. It talks about how we do life. It's how we use our freedom. Freedom isn't the end goal. It's the condition from which we live out our life of faith. It doesn't mean that we're free just to do whatever we want, whenever we want. It means we're free to take hold of everything that God has for us. Do you see the difference? I, f I found this quote from a guy named Peter Marshall who I didn't know who that was, so I Googled him, and they told me he was a um, game show host for Hollywood Squares. I'm like, this is a weird... Uh, but we have someone that looks over our messages before we deliver them, the text of them, and uh, it's, her name is Diane, and she's great, and she emailed me, and she said, actually, he's a Presbyterian minister. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. So here's the quote. <laughs> May we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. Just like that turn of phrase, right? May we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. You know, a long time ago, Lisa, my wife, and I, who's uh, sitting there, we, uh, especially with our, with our daughters, we decided that um, we wouldn't leave anything on the table. We would parent so that looking back, we would do so without regret. And actually, we use that phrase a lot. No regrets. We're just not gonna, we're not gonna have any regrets with our parenting. In other words, uh, we were free to parent any way we wanted to. We could raise our children how we wanted to, but we've tried to take the opportunity to parent such a way that our girls would have the best of our wisdom, that they would be disciplined in their lives, that they'd have a sense of wonder about the world, and that first and foremost, that they would know Jesus Christ. So as a result, we've had the hard conversations with them. We've taken the risks, and we've given them as many healthy, positive experiences as we can afford. It's, it's no good to say that we have freedom to parent any way we wanted, without also saying that we parented to the very best of our ability. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying that we're perfect parents. My kids are sitting here. They know. Uh, we're not a perfect parents, but we've used the freedom to parent to the very best of our ability. That's what it's like with our freedom. It's an open door. It's an empty stage. It's what you do with it that matters, right? If you turn to page 901 in the, um, in the chair Bible, uh, and this is in John 14. This is another statement from Jesus. It says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I wonder sometimes if we don't truly understand what an amazing statement that is. If we truly lived believing what Jesus said here. We could do greater things than he was doing? I mean, how is that possible? Well, there's only one way to find out how that's possible, and that's to go out and live our life with no regrets, living our life of faith, to take the risks. Notice, though, he says, ask anything, and then he qualifies it, in my name, in my name. According to his will, according to his plans, we have the freedom to ask anything, but what will he do? Only the things that are in his will, right? So the freedom to ask God anything is a wonderful gift. 
But what do we use it for? True freedom is the ability to pursue with God those things that align with him and his preferred future for us and the world. If we truly want to enjoy our freedom, we'll align our will and our hearts with the will and the heart of God. That's true freedom. And again, someone might say, and I, I get this, someone might say, well, you know, that's not freedom. Freedom is to, the ability to do whatever you want. All you're saying is, uh, you just follow these rules. That's not freedom, that's rules. I would just argue that there's a difference between those kinds of freedom. And one of them may not be the freedom you want. I could say, sleep with whoever you want if it makes you feel good. I mean, we're free to do that, right? But if you do that, what do you get? Broken relationships, shallow relationships, hurting people, broken families. There are consequences to that kind of choice. Yes, I guess technically we have the freedom to do it, but what about, what about your freedom once, you know, once those things start bearing fruit? Uh, say whatever you want. We, we're, we're, we're really good in this country right now about saying whatever we want to say. But you know, words hurt. Words are powerful. Miscommunication is a big problem. It leads to anger, broken trust, again, broken relationships. We're free to say whatever we want, but true freedom may be in saying that which is uh, building up people, that's edifying for other people. Buy whatever you want. Oh, this is a good one in the United States. Buy whatever you want. <laughs> we like to get things. But, you know, debt is a big problem. You can be free to buy whatever you want, but then you have to live with the debt. Or you have to live with the idea of caring more about things than people, which can hurt people. Or not having the long-term resources to give to your family or your children in the future. My question today is, and the bottom line really comes down to, what are you using your freedom for? There's a way to live which isn't doing anything you want, but it's doing what God designed us to do, which opens the door to so much more for our lives than if we're just running our lives ourselves. That's the bottom line. And so here we are on Independence Day, and I just want to say and challenge us to go out there, to live free, but not to do whatever you want free, the opportunity to do what is right free, because that really leads to true freedom. It really does. Our last song, the lyrics go like this. God, how great you are, great things you have done. For everything we've seen, there is more to come. Every victory, every battle won, for everything we've seen, there is more to come. As we sing this song, let's remember our freedom and what God could do through us if we are truly free, what he could do through our church or in our community. I'm not sure that there's a limit, what battles we could win, what victories are waiting to be achieved. There's more to come than we can possibly imagine if we use our freedom in alignment with Jesus. And that's the bottom line. Would you stand and let's sing this song together as we close.